I wanted to do an advert for Anchor. This is the app that I'm actually using to do every episode of Analogy of the Sun. It's super freaking easy. Uh, it's also free. So couldn't get any better than that. If I can use this and I'm able to like put stuff on Spotify and all that, then you definitely can. If you've ever thought of just having a podcast for fun, like what I'm doing, then I would definitely suggest that you download Anchor now and they actually will upload it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and things of that nature or those type of apps for you. Again, it's completely free. There's no minimum listenership that you have to have. Everything you need in one place to make a podcast. It is amazing. So if you've ever thought about having a podcast at all, just for fun, or possibly to add to your work or your business, then please go ahead and download Anchor today. joining the analogy of the sun podcast and I actually just posted my first episode not an hour ago but I was messing with my YouTube and trying to possibly turn my audio into a video so that I can be on all platforms because apparently that's what you have to do to get your podcast out there be on all platforms so that's what I was doing and um, for whatever reason I saw a folder of mine in my account and it's, you know, Anthony Bourdain. I have a ton of folders in my YouTube account because I like to be overly, overly organized, I guess you could say. If I want to see something, I want to know where to go and find it, right? Because if you just like something, then you've got thousands, thousands and thousands of videos, unless you can remember where you looked for it and where and when, and it's pointless. So I have a lot of videos in this folder. Uh, for for Tony and um, his the anniversary of his death coming up in a couple months. It's actually in June. It's uh, June June eighth is when he died, um, which is funny because his birthday is June twenty fifth and mine's June twenty first. So I always kind of felt, even though, so it's going to go back to my skepticism podcast episode, which I will do at some point, um, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. That, that's going to be my next episode of skepticism and I'll talk about astrology and uh, I think that's bullshit, but, and I didn't for the longest time. And so I used to be like, well, shit, you know, he's a cancer. I'm a cancer. We're just so fucking weird. And, um, I always felt kind of a kinship with him anyways, because he is very, or he was, I hate having to say he was, he was very outspoken. You know, he was, didn't really give a shit who he offended. Didn't really give a shit. Um, he didn't give a shit. He definitely, I mean, he was a very caring person from what he portrayed. And that's the way I have to look at this as, um, you get to, you've, we've heard from a lot of people that he was close to, right? And like Eric, his friend Eric is who found him and cause he was with Eric, um, when he, when he, when he passed. And, um, so you get to hear from all, like, all these people that, uh, knew him real well, right? But you really don't get to hear so much from people that really didn't know him that well. You know, we didn't as a fan. And I was a huge fan of his ever since, you know, he came out with uh, his first show on on the Travel Channel. Or Food Network, I'm sorry. Food Network, hello. And um, that really... <laughs> it really, like, I had never 
seen anyone like this before. I don't think anyone had. And he had had the book that came out not long before that. And it, I'm actually on the computer right now looking, cause right now I just, I haven't even done any research. I just really want to get this out because looking at all the videos I just had saved of his, it just brings back, you know, that feeling of having someone that you look up to, uh, die. It's, it's a big deal. Um, at least for me and a lot of people don't understand it and I'll get into that too. So yeah, when uh, kitchen confidential came out in 2000, it was a big deal. It was a New York times bestseller and, um, it was an expansion of an article he had done for the New Yorker. And then he got the food network show, which I had watched, which was a cook's tour. Jesus. So it was 2001. No, 2002. Jesus. I did not realize that was that long ago. Jeez. Anyway. So yeah. Um, I had really like loved him and then I've gotten everyone I've known kind of, I've tried to get them all into it. And of course, um, my husband, you know, he knew that I loved him when we got together, he knew I loved him and I'd make him watch no reservations and, and a layover, even though that didn't last very long. And then we would watch, um, you know, the new, the new show on CNN, which we weren't, you know, happy that it was on CNN just cause I hated CNN, even though I do like Anderson Cooper a lot. So we were super excited for him to have another show because we knew it was going to, you know, parts unknown. We knew it was going to go somewhere a little bit more than no reservations had, even though no reservations had really taken, there was no show like that before, you know, it was an amazing show to watch to see him go into these, you know, war torn countries. Oh, it was pretty crazy. And then he did it even more with CNN. So, um, I, <laughs> I actually got to see him live. I think that was 2010. I have the, I actually still have the ticket sub. I saved it. I save all my ticket subs though. I want to say that was 2010 or nine one of the two. No, it was either 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2010. I went by myself. It was something that me and my husband would have done together, but at the time, um, he couldn't be there with me. So I actually went by myself. I drove downtown to downtown Dallas by myself. <laughs> Um, which for me is a big deal because I am such a, a agoraphobia, agoraphobic that I don't like to go out very much. And when I do, it's definitely with someone and by myself, you know, it's got to be a big deal for me to do that. To drive to downtown, to park in a parking garage, to go walk to this, you know, theater downtown by myself and to leave and have to walk alone, to go in the parking garage by myself, to drive all the way home by myself in the, you know, 12 o'clock at night was a big deal. And, but I did it because it was Tony, you know, I did it because it was him and I wanted to see him. And I even brought my book with him, like with me, the medium raw book. I was like, okay, I'm going to have him sign it or, and it just, it, it was ridiculous after the show. Like there's no way you could wait for him. It would have, it would have taken way too long. And, um, it was so crazy because when I walked in there, there was all sorts of people. And this is why one of it made me love Tony even more. So you walk, I would, I walked in the majestic, which is, um, a theater, which I've seen several people. Me and my husband have seen Cheech and Chong there. We've seen Ron White. 
we've seen several people there, you know, and it's a really, it's an amazing little old theater in the middle of downtown. So I walk in and I notice that there are a lot of people that have a shit ton of money, shit ton. I mean, like there are women that have, you can tell they're real pearls. I mean, you can tell pearls, their hair's in a bob, you know, it looks like the, the mother-in-law from Dharma and Greg and she's got her Louis Vuitton, you know, purse, which I know how expensive those are. And I can tell if they're fake or not because I've been so into fashion for so long. And that's not something I'm necessarily proud of. I mean, that's not something I'm gloating about. Like, oh, I know if it's fake or not. Like, cause I don't, I would never buy that. I would never spend $1,500 on a purse. Even if I had the money, I feel like I would be doing myself a disservice to spend $1,500 on a fucking purse. But, um, anyways, I digress. So I sit there and I was, I was looking and then I saw people like me with a shit ton of tattoos and weird hair colors. And, you know, they were taking shots at the bar type of shit. You know, I, I noticed my, my, my tribe. And then I looked at the other tribe that was across the, the alley or the, or the aisle. And I was really fucking amazed at that point. So I was not aware that that was the way it was. I did not know that people actually had money liked him. I didn't know anyone who wasn't the odd man out liked him. I assumed that everyone who liked Anthony Bourdain was the scapegoat, the black sheep, the whatever, you know, that's what I assumed. And it was my, and I thought it was, I thought it was a healthy assumption at the time. I mean, most people would think that I would, I, I would think, then I guess you have to realize that he did work at, you know, he started out working at a very prestigious, expensive French restaurant. So I could see how possibly, um, they would like him. I mean, he, he, you know, like I said, he did a lot and people with that money kind of money probably really liked him. And so it was, it was a little weird though. Cause I was just not expecting it. So it was really good. And I ended up getting, um, I was even more surprised because there was music that was being played, which I had never had been there several times before. And this was not something that happened, but there was music that was being played over, um, over the intercoms while we were all getting our, you know, trying to find our seats. And <laughs> It cracked me up because the music that was being played was very Tony music, right? Like when I was getting my seat, it was actually the song Blank Generation by Richard Hell. And which is so funny to me because I, it's a very Tony song and I knew the song and people around me knew the song, but I could tell that the people that had a lot of money didn't really know the song. Um, so it's just, it's funny to me how many people he really did touch. I mean, how it wasn't, it wasn't just us, you know, fuck ups. It was also the people that had a lot of money and stuff like that. So, um, he hadn't, he did not hold, you know, he didn't hold anything back. He threw out every punch he wanted to. It was great. It was funny. It was hilarious. And he had actually shown us a clip of him in Amsterdam during the, you know, parts unknown of him being extremely stoned he was high as fuck. He could barely talk. And he showed us a clip that was not shown on the show. And we were all laughing our asses off. Um, he had come back several years after that, but 
the tickets had gone from, I think it was $75 for me to go by myself, which is not, I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. I think I maybe had spent 10 or $15 for a glass of wine or a beer or something. Actually, I don't even know if I bought that because I was so paranoid for, you know, being home or being driving by myself. And so I, uh, I think it was like 150 bucks to see him. I'm like, I can't, I can't do $150. I'm not going by myself again. So I was like, I can't do $300 to go see him, you know, and it sold out quick, like super quick. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I was, I kind of, of course you look back on, you know, hindsight's 2020, you look back and I'm like, shit, I really should have fucking bought those tickets, you know, and I didn't, I should have, but you just never, yeah, this thing is you never know. Like I have a friend of mine, um, they used to be neighbors of ours and they moved, unfortunately. And, uh, me and her decided we were, we heard that, you know, Willie Nelson is going to be playing in Fort Worth. And we're, she's like, we got to go. I'm like, yeah, he's me and my fucking die soon. We got to go. <laughs> I think that's just the way it is now is that, not the way it is now. I think once you get to a certain age, you realize, holy shit, like these fuckers are going to die. Like we got to go. We got to go see these people. Um, we got to do this. You don't know. You might die tomorrow. You don't know. And I think the older you get, the more you're, um, met with your own immortality of, holy shit. Like I'm, I'm not superwoman. Like I can't outlive. I'm not going to be able to outlive all these people. I'm not going to be able to withstand a blow for how many, you know, jump however many buildings that, you know, you just, you're not going to be, you're not like that anymore. And when you're younger, you're like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. But now it's like, shit, you know, I really do need to do these things and whatever, but that's easier said than done, you know? So, um, let's flash forward a little bit. Uh, the day that he, um, it came out that he had passed away. Um, I actually was not, I was going to, I was having stomach issues that day and I have, I have issues every once in a while with my stomach. Um, so, cause I have gastritis. So I, I, some days I wake up and it just feels like someone stabbed me in, in my gut. So that day I was having issues and I got up a little late and I was, I was, uh, I knew it was gonna be a little late to work. Not much. I, I think it was like 730 or something. And I look at my phone cause it's blowing the fuck up. I'm all my friends. <laughs> I love my friends, but all my friends, uh, text me. Have you seen the news? Did you watch the news? Are you okay? Are you like what's going? Are you are you going to be okay? Are you going to stay home from work today? Like what's going? I mean, are you okay? And everybody just text, 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 and I and I like what the fuck are they talking about? Like I I got up and you know me and my husband are standing in the kitchen. I'm in the living room. He's standing in the kitchen. It's an open living room kitchen concept, and he's you know standing next to the island, and I'm in the living room sitting next to the TV and I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, well, fuck, I should, I guess I should look at the news. And he's like, yeah, I don't, what the fuck happened? I go, I don't know. And I look at my phone and, um, I Google, I just looked on the news, just pulled up Google and I saw that he had passed away. I honestly thinking on it now, I looked at it and I just, I literally fell on my ass to the floor and started crying. You know, like I, like David Bowie was, has been a, I've been obsessed with him since I was little, you know, ever since Labyrinth came out and I've loved him. If you see my house, there's David Bowie pictures everywhere. If you see my, my laptop right now, I have fucking stickers of him everywhere. 
Um, I've loved David Bowie for fucking ever. And when he died, I was really sad. I mean, I found I me, mean, my, my dad had just passed away a couple months before that. Uh, so it was like almost kind of losing him over again. Cause I really looked up to Bowie and you know, it was, it, I fell in love with him when I was like four, you know what I mean? So it was, it was hard, but he was in his seventies. So it didn't, I, I knew it was going to happen at some point, but with Tony, it's like, holy fucking shit. Like I just, I just watched his show the other day. Like I just, he just posted something on Instagram. Like I, or he just posted something yeah, on Instagram or he just posted it on Twitter. Like I just, he just was here and it was just take like, it was just gone. It was gone. Everything was gone now. Everything I looked forward to, or maybe possibly he's going to come back in town or, you know, his, his show's going to be, his new, you know, we have a new episode next week. Like all of that was somewhat still around, but not around. You know what I mean? Like it was gone. Everything was gone. Um, and I replied back to my friends. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't fucking believe this. And yeah, I, of course I have to go to work. I would love to have bereavement, but that's not how any of this works. So, um, I went to work and I was really kind of surprised because I had to explain who he was every time, which I was very, it's very, it was very weird to me because I've, I, I guess I didn't realize how obscure he was. I didn't realize he was obscure. I didn't realize that people didn't know who he was. Um, so that was kind of a, a, an eye opener, I guess. I don't know. And, and again, I, I, I'm hoping maybe I had some people, you know, get interested enough to watch his shows, you know, anyways, but yeah. So that night I, uh, or that weekend, I think it was that weekend that night. I can't even remember if you, what day it was that he passed, but of the week, but I didn't, hadn't smoked a cigarette in a really long time. And I smoked cigarettes because, um, Tony smoked, he didn't smoke for a while and then he went back to smoking. Because I believe it was because of the chick he was with. Because when you're with someone who smokes, it's really hard not to smoke when you want to smoke. If they're smoking in front of you and you want a cigarette, what's going to stop you from wanting a cigarette? You're actually smoking it. Um, I'm not going to really get into her, honestly. I don't think she's even worth talking about too much. It's not enough. I'm not, I don't want to put my energy into that bitch, honestly. Um, in reality, I really don't, no one really knows what happened with them. I don't know. If their relationship had anything to do with how he felt about himself or why he would have, you know, done what he did, what he did. I don't know. I'm and I'm not here to, and it's something like, I'm not here to judge her for that. I'm here to judge her for how, if I'm going to judge her, <laughs> for how much of a fucking bitch she was. I just don't, I don't feel like she was good for him. I mean, I, and that, again, I don't know her, but what I can see is that. Once he got with her, he started smoking again. He started doing a lot of shit that he wasn't doing um, when he was with his previous wife. Um, it's just, there was a lot that you, us as fans who had really were very kind of obsessed with him could notice, okay, well, what the fuck is this? Like, what is, what's going on? And for her to be like, yeah, we've talked about suicide and how I want to do it and how he wants to do it. I'm like, why the fuck would you even nurture those ideals? I understand you should talk about it. I get that. But to make it seem like it's, you know, okay and it's cool under the sun type shit is not good either. Um, 
I don't know. I, like I said, I don't like putting my opinions on that shit because I don't know her and I don't, I didn't know him personally either. All I can see is what is being portrayed and what be, is being portrayed is just a small, minuscule, um, amount of what the time that they are together, you know, so I don't know exactly what happened. Um, but what I do know is he was, he had been suicidal in the past. Yes. And he had been depressed to the point of thinking about, um, going through with that act a long time ago and before his daughter, I think his daughter was small or right before she was born or something. And, um, and I have to say as someone who has been suicidal several times in my life, um, it's, it's hard for people to understand it. And that's, that, that's what, uh, suicide is hard to understand if you have never been suicidal. If you've never been suicidal before, then it's really difficult to get behind that concept. And I, and I get that. I totally understand that. Like, why would you want to kill yourself? You know, that's just ridiculous. You know, you can't even deal with life. You're a pussy. Um, blah, you know, insert whatever gratuitous bullshit thought process here, you know, whatever you want to think. But the, the thing about it is, is that and people will always post, you know, after like Chester died and Chris, you know, Cornell died not long after him, um, answering Bourdain and just all these people were hanging themselves essentially. And really what's strange about that is that's the only way I've ever tried it is, is hanging. But the, the, the percentage of people that actually try to commit suicide and the people that actually hang themselves is a very small percentage. And I was not aware of that. I thought that was like the largest percentage is hanging. Um, but no, it's like, I think it's like 15% of people that are actually trying to commit suicide, try to hang themselves, which is weird. Um, I thought it was more than that because that's the only way I've ever tried uh, to kill myself is by hanging myself. Um, and thank God for my husband being home at the time or walking in at the time, you know, to help me, uh, it's a really, it's a very dis, it's, it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't have really mental health issues to explain to them what it's like to be fully immersed in the pits of despair, like fully immersed. We're not talking like you're having a shitty day or you feel blue or no, no, no. We're talking about weeks and weeks and weeks of you feeling like less than shit, like feeling worse than anything in your life. Like never felt this bad. Take okay for, okay. So if you're a quote unquote normie here listening to this and you've never dealt with this before, um, let's see, what can I equate it to? Take, okay. Say, say you lost your job that day. Say you got fired and you did nothing wrong, nothing wrong, nothing wrong. Say, okay. So you take that day and then on your way home from losing your really lucrative, you know, nice paycheck bullshit job. That's been, you know, helping you coast for years. You've been there for years. You know, everyone depends on you, kids, blah, blah, blah. So say, okay, take that day. You lost your job. You pack up your shit. You get in the car. You get to, the, you get in the car, you drive home, you're driving home and then you get in a wreck and you total your car. Okay. And not only do you total your car, you break your leg, right? So they have to come and get you, put you in the hospital. Not only do you break your leg, but then when you get to the hospital, they give you, I don't know, the wrong shit. Like they don't give you enough painkillers. And then when the doctor comes in, they think it's something else. And in reality, you have to keep telling them, fuck, it's my fucking leg. Like, I don't know what else I have to tell you. And then finally they move you from room to room and you're so frustrated. But then again, you're so just fuck it. I don't care at this point. Like whatever. Can you just get me where I need to go? And they finally say, Oh, I'm sorry. We, you know, we missed 
uh, diagnosed you. Your legs weren't really broken. That was a, that was an x-ray from someone else. We're just going to have to let you go now. So you need to get up, get up, get up, up, get up, get up, get up. And you're having to get up and, and they're like, oh yeah. And then you have to wait. And then while you're waiting, someone punches you in the face because you say something wrong. It's literally everything that you could ever think of that would be bad to happen to you is how you feel. So when you leave the hospital, you feel completely drained. Your life is nothing. And when you get home, your spouse decides to leave you. And they're taking the kids. <laughs> so then you're sitting in your house alone. And your electricity gets cut off because your spouse forgot to pay the bills. Even though you had money at the time. So you're sitting in the dark, alone. And it's July. So there you go. So it's really fucking hot. It's dark as shit. You have no one. And you have no vehicle. You have no job. And you are sitting in a home with now you know you have a bunch of fucking medical bills you have to pay even though you really didn't have to pay them or shouldn't have to pay them because they misdiagnosed you with a broken limb which you did not have it's just feeling even if that's not the case even if that's not true any of that that could have been made up in your own fucking head even if the, none of those things happened to you that's how you feel again tony had what we all seen as everything. He had everything, right? He had a dream job. He could travel around the world, eat at all these wonderful restaurants, or he could meet all these wonderful people in these war-torn countries and have some kind of protection um, because of the production crew that he was with, that he was, you know, around. And he had a beautiful daughter and all that. Um, he still killed himself, you know? It's not what you have in real life. It's what you have in your head. So you can have everything outside. Everything in the real world can be yours, but if it really never manifests itself inside of your head, then it doesn't matter. You feel like an imposter, essentially, in your own life. Um, you can have everything. So all that stuff I just said, you lost your job, you lost your house, you lost, or you not lost your house, you come to home to your house, or you lost your car because you got an accident, you got, went to the hospital, and then no one was there, and then your wife, your spouse is going to leave you with the kids, and then electricity gets shut off. That might all not even have happened. But that's how you feel. When you leave your job, you feel like less than nothing because you feel like you're not making a difference just because of who you are. And then you get in your car and maybe, yeah, maybe you didn't lose it, but you drive up to your house anyways. You're like, fuck, I just, fuck this. And then you get in the house and your spouse is still there and they want to love on you. And you're just like, I don't want to, I can't be around you right now. Like, just, I just leave me the fuck alone. Just leave me alone. I'm going to go to bed. Like, well, it's only like eight o'clock. I'm going to bed. Like, I'm going to lay down. That's the issue. I think people don't understand if you've never had that type of, debilitating depression everything around you is like a facade it's like a mirage none of it is real to you because you don't feel that you're worthy of it you you don't feel like any of it it's made for you it's made for someone else this is not this life is not made for me like i don't i don't deserve any of this shit and so and you and that's how you honestly feel you feel like everyone would be better off if I wasn't around, they would live a better life. I'm, I'm just slowing them down. I'm making them upset. I'm treating them badly, even though I don't mean to treat someone badly. So I feel for him because I've been there several times in my life of, you know, it'd be so much easier for everybody if I was just not around. Um, and which is ultimately very untrue. It's not true at all. Uh, it's just not. And it's, but that's a hard, that's a hard thought process to break once you get into that loop of self-pity. Because that's what it is. It's just self-pity. And I'm not saying that there aren't breaks in it. 
I mean, there are several, there can be several days where you feel great, or there can be a whole week, or there can be a day, or whatever. But the day that comes that you feel like it's just too much now, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like, I cannot, I, I can't do this anymore. And everyone asks, like, oh, maybe he had drugs in the system, maybe he was drunk. He went ahead and didn't have anything in his system, he wasn't drunk. That's the thing, is that I think people want to have this this reason, this excuse. Well, he was drunk, that's why he did it. And most people, there there is a big percentage of people that when they do commit suicide, they usually are underneath, they are under some kind of, um, you know, they're all under some kind of, you know, alcohol, drug, or whatever. But you'd be surprised how many people are sober when they do it. So, um, I got why he did it, and I understand it. And I know why other people don't understand it. Because it is hard to understand if you've never been there, you know? It's like saying, it's like talking about seeing the pyramids when you just went to Egypt. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I've seen pictures. I don't, I don't understand it. It's just, it's hard to grasp that type of feeling. Like, cause it's, you are completely just done. That feeling of such despair is only truly understood by people that have felt that type of despair. You can't, you can't expect anyone to understand it. Not everyone. For no way. There's just no way. So I get it. I understand why he did it. Um, but the reason why he did it and went through with it is the reason why I can't. You know, he completely went through with it. And to see, to see the other side of that, um, for his wife, his ex-wife, or I don't think they were technically divorced, honestly. For her to post a video or a picture of her, of their daughter together, well, they never, she never shows her, they never showed her face, which I think is really good. But it's funny because she was actually born the same, uh, year that my youngest was born. So they're the same age and, um, like she'll, you know, I hate, I hate the fact that she will never really have known her father and, you know, she's going to miss him and it's just ridiculous. And when you watch that stuff or when you read it and you, they have a, you know, a kid the same age as yours and you've been thinking about the same thing or have thought about it in the past, you're like, holy shit, yeah, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. So I really, you know, we all wish that someone would have been there for him. I mean, Eric was there, but for whatever reason, he was pretty gun ho on doing it and he did. He accomplished it. Um, and I really feel bad for Eric. I really do. Perhaps I see his best friend that he's had for decades almost. Has to be life-changing and heartbreaking for sure. So, anyways, I just want to get this out. Um, so if anyone is feeling suicidal or feeling like they just can't take it anymore, message me. Whatever. I, I'm here to talk to anyone who needs help at any time. I don't give a shit. I know how it feels and it's lonely. It's really lonely because not many people have felt that. So, um, yeah, just shoot me up, give me a message, whatever. I don't care if you need help. I'm here to try to provide as much understanding as I can to you. So, all right. Thank you so much. Have a good night guys.